Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride. Before we get started, here's your reminder. Make sure you're subscribed to Order Up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform so all our new releases go automatically into your podcast feed. Today, we're bringing you another episode of President and CEO Michelle Korsmo's discussions with industry leaders. On her last miniseries episode, Michelle spoke with former EVP and Chief Strategy Officer with Lions Magnus, Kent Walrack, also Yum Brands, Chief Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Officer, and Educational Foundation Board Chair, James Fripp. If you missed that interview, we'll be sure to link it in today's show notes so you can listen back. Today, Michelle is joined by Julie DeCock, owner of La Creperie French Cafe and Vive Wine Bistro in Key West, Florida. Julie is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to starting a small business. She's built a strong digital presence for her company and places focus on innovation and customer satisfaction. So Michelle, without further ado, the floor is yours to lead today's discussion with Julie. Wonderful, thank you, Carly. You know, as I talk to all kinds of restaurant operators and just talking with friends and family, I think we all know that there are some restaurants that hold a very special place in our lives and are meaningful for our family and meaningful for our friends and those touchstones of what I think we would all call our happy place. The Creperie in Key West is really that place for my family. My husband and I have been going there for years. In fact, we started going there before our girls were born. And we knew Yolan, the previous owner, who really created this very special place. And when we found out that Yolan was selling the business, we were all very concerned about what was going to happen to our beloved creperie. And we could not have been more thrilled when we came back and experienced the wonderful hospitality that Julie provided in the this fabulous, very special place. And Julie, I have been able to see your business really grow over the years into such a fabulous culinary experience and wonderful hospitality and really capturing what I think is the fantastic essence of a restaurant in a location that is very much a vacation tourist place, but also feels really warm and friendly and welcoming to the locals. You've done that. You've expanded your business. I'm so excited to talk about all of those things with you to figure out how you bring that magic to your restaurants. So Julie, welcome. So thrilled to have you here. Can you take some time to introduce yourself to our audience, talk about your background, how you got started in the restaurant industry, and really what brought you to the United States? Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. So I've been in the States since eight years now. I had a wine shop and delicatessen in France before, a couple of years. I went to a sommelier school in France before opening my shop. And that's it. I bought the crepery so eight years ago, more or less, without any experience really in the restaurant business. How did you decide to move to the US? It was a project. Moving another story, you know, having a small business in France was not easy. It's a lot of more hours than here. So why not try something else, something new, somewhere else? 
which is wonderful. It's interesting you say that about a lot of hours because I know, you know, you open up at 7 a.m., which means that you're there much earlier than that. And then now with your Viv wine bar, you're open late nights in that business as well. So you're putting in long hours. I know you have a wonderful, strong team around you, but talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you face owning both of these restaurants. Oh, the main challenge is for sure the workforce, like having employees, especially the back of the house, the kitchen, the dishwasher. It's pretty hard. It's pretty unstable. There's, there are years better than other. Front of the house, the servers, pretty stable. You know, you know them. A lot of them are here since the beginning with me, yes, eight do. years. <laughs> so this is fantastic. But yeah, the kitchen, the back of the house, it's most challenging part. <laughs> yeah. But don't you think that part of what works for you in your formula is the wonderful reputation that you have in Key West and among your community for the type of business you run? I hope it helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you talk about workforce challenges, so much of it is about providing people with the culture and the environment that they want. I know Julie, you and I have spent time talking about this over crepes and just that challenge of finding people that are willing to do what needs to be done in restaurants. How do you solve those problems? Making try the food, like trying to make them like the food for sure. It's French food is different. It's crepes, it's several crepes, galettes. Nobody knows that when they begin my kitchen. They don't know what's a crepe. They don't know what's a galette. So make them try the food, cook for them, make them like the food. And after they want to make the good food, then that's it. You have such a gift for that. I know my daughters have spent hours at your counter watching your cooks and watching you make those beautiful crepes and make those beautiful galettes. And they've gotten much better at their own crepe and galette making because of it. <laughs> One of the things that I've always enjoyed is, as you know, it's not often that I get to have your fantastic food, but you have a really terrific digital presence, right? I'm often seeing in my social media feeds, beautiful pictures of your crepes, beautiful pictures of your galettes, asking your followers to guess which menu item it is. Of course, it doesn't take me long to figure out what you've posted. <laughs> Talk about how you, you think about your digital presence. Tell me about, because you're doing this all yourself. I've seen you yeah. also do this work of the post digital experience. Yeah, but not anymore. So it's very funny because, yeah, I was doing that by myself, but I don't like it too much. <laughs> For me, it's I prefer to be the kitchen <laughs> or the floor talking to the customers. So I was doing that until last year, I think. And it's very interesting because now it's one of my friends who is doing that. Her name is Mariette. Maybe you know her because she began in the kitchen. Oh, maybe. She yeah. began in the kitchen, the crepery. She was server after. And now she has her own business of photography. And she began her business as well. So she's doing the social media. She likes that. She's good at it. And it's very good good for me because she walked with me so she knows who I am how I am how is my food or I talk what I want to share and I think she's doing exactly what I want and uh, I'm very proud of her I'm very happy to have her now because it's like it's me doing this with better picture because she's a real professional with the pictures 
Yeah, that's right. I know that there's an expense, obviously, it's an investment to have someone else doing that. How do you make that decision that it's time to make that investment? Is it just that it gets overwhelming? Exactly. Overwhelming is a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to do the picture, to do everything. And after the social media and the inspiration, and it's, it's not my favorite thing. So at one point, I just decided to focus more in the kitchen, on the floor, and hire someone to do that. Like sometimes or some accounting, some things, I, yeah. it's not worth it for me. It's, I think you can do everything, but if you have someone better or if you're not good enough about it, or if it's stressful, if it's boring, if you can have someone to do it, it's, I think it's better. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so interesting, the challenge for restaurant owners and really small business owners like yourself, where you have all of the aspects of that business that are your responsibilities that you need to make sure get executed. And what's the balance between you doing those things and then you being able to outsource to trusted partners while you can focus on those things that you do well. There must have been some thinking too when you decided to start then bar talk a little bit about what that concept is and the decision you made to actually open that part of the business oh, so we had um, a rent just next door to the crepery and we subleased for a year i think and it was a, a clothes shop a woman clothes shop the person wanted to leave and just thinking what should i do and it's it's more where i began in france the wine shop i had a wine shop I love yeah. wine. I know a lot about French wine. So why not trying? At the beginning, Viv was just a wine and cheese shop. It was not the restaurant. It was small board, charcuterie board, and wine. No menu, just come in. It was like my second house. I wanted to have the wine I like, just sell the wine I like, and that's it. It was really small. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know, it grow. it grow with talking to people, having a lot of local customers as well coming in. And like for the wine, I wanted to have my wine, share my wine, the wine I like. And after I began to share the food, I want to cook like more bistro food, different than the crepes, breakfast, galettes, and just like that. I know, which is wonderful. I know you're sitting in um, that restaurant right now i recognize the wine <laughs> behind you and yes. it all looks so inviting i know my husband was so pleased with your menu because of course you serve escargot and your escargot is delicious so what a wonderful addition when you think about your wine that you love talk a little bit about the experience for you of curating that wine collection as a sommelier do you find that it's hard for you to get the wines that you're looking for do you have challenges when it comes to building out your wine list? It has been hard at the beginning, eight years ago in Florida. There are a lot of more distributors now, especially in Miami. So it's way easier. The choice is bigger. We can find small producers from all over the world right now. It was very hard eight years ago. It was, we had three wine companies and so everybody had the same. And now it's since 2018, I think it's better. Of course, with the COVID, it has been way harder again to have the small winemakers. But I think it's getting back to have great choice of wine.
Yes, and you do have that great choice of wine. So it's really using your knowledge. I mean, I think that's what's so fabulous about that location is that you can tell that you've hand-selected all of the wines on that list, and they're different than what you would get certainly at the local wine shop or just, you know, alcohol package store, and it's really a special thing. So I wanted to go back and talk about your workforce. You know, you talked about your service professionals and they've been with you, some of them for at least eight years. And they all, I mean, I know I enjoy seeing everyone every year over year. What is it that you think makes them stand out in their skills and hospitality? What are you looking for when you're looking for great service professionals? It's a very interesting question because I think it's very different here or in France, for example, like I was in France and I don't have the same expectation in Key West, in other city or in other country. Very, very interesting. Here, like you said, it's tourist place, but we have also a lot of local and a lot of people who are coming back every year. So people are very happy to recognize their server over the year. So the personalization, when server can recognize their customers over the years, adapt with different people, talk. I think it's very, very important in Key West. I think it's one of the main things here to be personable and welcome our customer. Yeah. And this in the States is very important in Key West also. I think in France it's very different. <laughs> yeah. How is it different in France? Colder, if you say, like people can say it's maybe they're more rude, or, but no, it's just different. They're more... I would say they are more professional and they are less friendly. Being friendly is very important here. In France, we don't mind about that. Being friendly is important. It's a different expectation of the relationship. Yes, exactly. Which is interesting. And I think that is, you know, instead of thinking of it as rude, thinking of it as the expectation for the relationship, whereas they're there to serve and do a job. And here it really is hospitality means much more of that engagement. Exactly. When you think about the challenges that exist in running a business like yours in vacation destination for so many, what are some of the upsides and then what are some of the downsides? So uh, the upside, it's touristic and seasonal. So you have six months of no life, like walking a lot and way too much. And it's very nice because when when you're coming, so you see also a lot of friends coming so you're very busy working but also having a social life so it's very very hard physically emotionally the season is very hard you better keep a balanced life exercise do other things still get time for yourself if not it's just hell but it's non-stop it can become like an addiction you know when it's slow down when it's stop, you say what's happening it takes a while to understand to go back to a normal life where you can go to bed early, have two days off in a week, things like that. Yeah. You have two different lives in season and slow season. And slow season is very hard because the product, I was just talking with another friend who was a restaurant here and said, it's the quality of the product the summers, it's not the same. It's less good. The vegetables are not as nice as in the winter here in Florida and the waste checking just the waste, the waste, the hours of the employees. The employees want to work as much as in season, make as much money, but it's impossible. So 
especially when they're just beginning this business, trying to explain to them, warn them, say, no, <laughs> we cannot keep you over time and over time all year long. And the most challenging, I think, is the quality of the produce. It turned back very fast, doing a lot less. So the slow season is not easier than the high season because you have to be careful about everything more. The quality, the stocks, everything, everything. In season, you just can buy a lot of things and you prep every day, every day, every day. So you, it's easy. You go, you go out all the time. You, you're making every day everything. So you don't worry about the waste. And I hate the waste, you know that. So it's also something I'm picky about it. And I don't like to waste the food. It's not just money, the garbage. It's also uh, for so many reasons. It, yeah. yeah, it's so many reasons to manage and control food waste. I mean, obviously, there's the expense of it. And there's also just the need to be much more conscientious yes. about how you're using products so that we're not as you say, wasting things. How do you make adjustments to your menu? I mean, your menu is such a fresh flavor. Those ingredients that you're using in your crepes and your galettes and also in the wine bar, how do you manage that menu? We don't make changes from high season to slow season on the menu. We don't make any changes because people expect to have the same all the time here and the same choice and wide. Um, Sometimes we can do some promotion on some items, extra, extra, but we don't change all year long, no. We can add some specials, but we don't take out from the slow season. That makes sense. So it's just really important to manage your inventory. Yes. And is that something you do solo? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I, I have the kitchen. I have a kitchen team. I have a good kitchen team. and. Uh, as soon as I have, I think I have a leader, I try to teach them everything and I can have some help. <laughs> but, you know, right now I have, I have help. I always find some help, always. That's great. What's next for you in your restaurants, Julie? It's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, a year ago I would have maybe something else, another one somewhere else. But right now kind of enjoy my vacation i took this year you know yeah <laughs> it was the first time so i would like to be able to do again some vacation time and opening another restaurant i don't know if i would be able to have some time off like that so i'm struggling right now about these ideas i would love to have something else i'm not sure in key west or somewhere else and for sure i will not do that alone i would keep this one alone but if I do something else with someone else. But I was also thinking maybe something with my brother in France. And maybe in a restaurant there or something here. I don't know yet. But in the same time, I'm thinking about my next vacation. <laughs> Is your brother also a chef? No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> He's a broker in insurance, so it will be a different thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you'd have to teach him. Oh, that's great. So I know I love to come to the Crapery for, frankly, breakfast, lunch, and dinner if you offered it, but thankfully you have the wine bistro for dinner. And I love the Parisian. What I've never asked you is what's your favorite item on your menu? It's very hard. When people ask me that, I say, I don't have any favorite. I love too much food to have a favorite. But I say if I'm very nostalgic about home, about France, I will take the complete. It's very, it's the traditional one, you know, Swiss ham and egg. It's just the traditional is home. 
Yeah. So I wouldn't sell this one. <laughs> it is. And it's so delicious. I know my daughters have gone non-traditional for your crepes and they insist on cinnamon sugar, which is a little bit of an off menu order item, but always much appreciated. I'm also impressed with how many cinnamon and sugar crepes they can eat at least your crepes, they eat a lot of the It's impressive, yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. But I will always think of your fabulous hospitality in the way that you've shown my family. I have pictures over the years as the girls have grown up, like I said, looking over the counter, watching you and your team cook, and you share that love of cooking and the process with so many. It's really a gift that you offer to all of your guests that come into your restaurant. So thank you, Julie, for that. I'm trying. <laughs> I have one last question for you before we wrap up. And we've talked a little bit about the fact that you're a vacation destination, but for any small business owner and restaurant owner, what advice do you have for others who are thinking about going into the business? Always keep some time for yourself, only for yourself. Don't walk all the time. Nothing good happen if you walk all the time, all the time. And put your heart on it, I think. It's especially with food, it's passion. Put your heart on it. And managing the time, I don't know. It's hard. Sometimes you have to wake up early or you have to stay up late just to have time for yourself. But you have to take time for yourself. And sometimes you have to push yourself to not go in your business. Yeah, that is that is always the challenge. I know you have some interesting passions. I've seen you driving the streets on your motorcycle as well which looks like a wonderful way for you to find time for yourself. Yeah, it is. Which is great. You can see you being very happy in that space. Yes. Yes, very happy here. You do offer so much heart in what you do. And I'm so thankful that you joined us today for this conversation to talk a little bit about the wonderful corner of the world that is La Creperie and Viv Wine Bistro. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure. Did you know the National Restaurant Association produces and hosts several webinars each month to serve and grow the industry? Topics ranging from hiring and workforce, food safety, DE&I, and the most relevant policy topics for restaurants. All previous webinars are also available for on-demand viewing. To learn more about upcoming and recorded webinars, please visit restaurant.org slash events slash learning. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.